everyone, uh, and welcome to another in the podcast series, Perspectives on Leadership. And today, I'm pleased to have with me John Morabito, someone that I had the pleasure of working with in the past, and it's great to connect with him again today. Before we get into uh, his perspectives on leadership, I'd just like to uh, ask John to just say a few words about his background. John, welcome. Sure. Thanks, Tony. Good to be here. So um, my background, well, um, most of my career, I was a, a chief HR officer. I, uh, I retired from Cigna Corporation as the chief HR officer about one year ago after being there for, uh, for almost 20 years in that, uh, in that position. Uh, prior to that, I was the, uh, the chief HR officer at Monsanto, which is where you and I uh, became acquainted. And then uh, before that, I was, uh, I was with, with PepsiCo for quite some time and um you know also in a variety of uh, of human resources roles um along the way i uh, i did some other things i i had enterprise marketing for a while at cigna i ran communications real estate the cigna foundation um a number of uh, of areas kind of within an administrative uh, umbrella i have a master's degree in uh, in labor relations that's the uh, that's the basics thank you very much thank you well, you've obviously got a wealth of experience, and I'd be very interested to hear some of your stories as we get into the questions. The first question is where you personally have had to demonstrate significant leadership in order to uh, create a breakthrough. Uh, could be a major milestone experience for you, and something that you think back on even I may have been some time ago now, but something that you recall quite vividly. Can you give an example? Uh, sure. I, uh, I have a, I think a pretty good example actually. Um, and it was a while ago. It was, uh, it was some years ago that, uh, that I was in a, a situation where we, um, uh, we were encountering a, um, a CEO succession uh, opportunity. And, um, in this particular situation, uh, there was a, a board of directors that, uh, that I think was, was probably at that time, uh, more interested in, uh, making a decision based on kind of emotion and familiarity versus, uh, fact and science. Okay. And so in this, uh, in this particular situation, I, um, I had to really insert myself, um, in a way that, um, uh, that at the time felt uh, felt a little uh, a little challenging. Uh, I had the help of uh, of the sitting uh, CEO and support, but uh, but I really had to insert myself with uh, with process uh, and fact and science to uh, to you know to do the best I could to help help make sure that uh, that in this case the board would uh, would make a uh, not just a right decision but a fair decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can tell you in that. In that uh, in that particular uh, situation, um, I wasn't the most popular uh, for uh, for in this case for you know for for suggesting a process other than what some members of that board of directors really wanted to do on their own. Um, but um, but as it turned out, uh, we um, you know we put a uh, we put a process in place. Um, uh, you know, decision was made based on fact and science and 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 real uh, real information, and uh, and a good decision ultimately was uh, was made. Um, but um, I can tell you honestly, um, I don't know. I say it was a uh, it was necessarily a career risk, but um, but it was close to that. And um, 
and I was not uh, I was not very popular with a number of board members. Actually, even after a uh, after a good decision was made. Well, it reminds me actually of the film. I don't know if you know it. It's an old film called The Twelve Angry Men, <laughs> which is a, a a jury case where the one single person has to persuade all the other ones that to make the right decision. Yeah. And uh, I was just wondering, was it uh, challenging to get them to agree actually on the process uh, as well to actually evaluate the candidate? Yes. Um, yeah, it, it was, Tony. I mean, um, you know, I, I think at that time, left to their own devices, um, that the process would have been kind of only discussion at the board level and probably made with uh, with incomplete information. So, you know, putting a process in place that was harder work, was gonna take longer, um, involved people probably outside of the board um, and, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, went through, um, you know, uh, some time that was gonna need to take place versus what it might've been with, uh, with just, you know, just their own uh, points of view um, mm. yeah, it was, it was a challenge and it was, mm. it was as much about process as it was about the actual decision. Mm. And did the process take a long time? Did, was it kind of several weeks or months before you could actually finalize things and therefore people were getting impatient or not? Oh yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, it, it took a while. It was probably, uh, you know, I think once they, uh, in this case got into actual decision mode where they knew that, uh, that they were going to have to make a call, um, mm. it was probably, uh, three, four, three, four month process, um, you know, as information was generated, interviews were done, um, profiles were made of candidates, um, you know, things of that nature. Uh, so absolutely, it took a while. Mm. So hearing you speak, it sounds as though clearly it was awkward, a bit uncomfortable, risk-taking, a bit of courage necessary to face up to the board, particularly when you were maybe the, the only voice in the room who was suggesting something different. Um, so would you say that some of the characteristics, when you reflect on it, some of the characteristics about that experience? I don't want to sound vain, but, um, but I think in that case, yes. Um, you know, it, it, was, it was managerial courage. It was some guts. Um, it was kind of stepping a little bit outside of the you know, maybe my comfort zone um, to, to some degree. And yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a little bit of a, um, you know, kind, kind of a solo voice of, of, I thought, reason in terms of making a really important decision for, you know, the future of the company at that, uh, at that point. My second question is actually where you've observed someone else um, making a, a significant leadership uh, decision or, or action and where you think it did also create a breakthrough. Can you think of one? Yeah, there, you know, when, when people ask me that question, um, one always comes to mind. Um, so, you know, if I think back when uh, in my days at, uh, at Frito-Lay, which was a division of PepsiCo, and I was, uh, I was probably at that time kind of a director level in, uh, in HR, and we had been through a couple of, uh, of different CEOs of, uh, of Frito-Lay. Uh, and eventually, a, a gentleman by the name of Steve Reinemond uh, took over as, uh, as CEO. He eventually went on to become uh, chairman and CEO of PepsiCo. But in the, uh, in the few years that he spent at Frito-Lay, I thought he was just a, um, a superb leader. And 
the thing he did that um, at that time that 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 I felt like was um, uh, was was really interesting and uh, and smart um, and, and and challenging for the organization was he had a really unique way of setting goals that that were almost to the impossible, but not quite, not quite. So when he would put goals out there, people would kind of react to them like, oh my gosh, how are we going to, how will we ever hit this? But then he would put the goals out and he would put the resources in place, the training necessary, the investment, uh, the support, all the things that were really required to hit very high goals. Steve was great at putting out. So he could put out really challenging, incredibly challenging goals and at the same time, be ultra supportive of the organization in order to to allow the company to uh, to hit the goals. In fact, I remember one year, um, you know, we we were in a pretty good situation already as a company, as a division of PepsiCo, mm-hmm. and he came up with this uh, kind of thing called fifteen twenty sixty. And basically, what it was was he wanted fifteen percent revenue growth, twenty percent earnings growth, and a sixty percent share in the United States. And and people reacted like, oh, my gosh, we can never hit these goals. They're so hard. But, you know, he put in the uh, the, the, the resources, the support, the investment necessary um, and the encouragement uh, of uh, of people that allowed the company to uh, to achieve the goals or get pretty darn close anyway. My final question is about the future. What would be your perspective on what uh, is required of leaders going forward? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing some consulting these days, and, and most of it is in the area of kind of senior leadership and, and talent. And um, so it's, it's a question that, uh, that many people are asking as they consider, you know, who to put in jobs, who to put in senior jobs, and so forth. And so um, the thing for me that, uh, that I think – you know, I look for and I think that separates really great leaders from from good ones are things like authenticity uh, and humility um, and listening skills and really being able to kind of interact and relate to people at uh, at all levels of an organization in a way more meaningful way than than what's been uh, been done before. I think employees today, uh, whether it be of companies or other organizations, you know, they're 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 looking to be listened to um, in a much deeper way than what they ever have before. They're looking to have their organization um, be focused on some kind of a mission, some kind of good um, beyond just, you know, making money. They want to have a voice and they really want to feel like uh, like they're part of things, whether that be on social issues that have come up or um, or even just on kind of issues within the organization. And so I think, the best leaders are ones who can who can emphasize the mission and connect people to uh, to hopefully the mission of the company and who are really deeply empathetic um, and 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 feel to employees like they're authentic and they're humble and they actually want to you know to be good listeners and to uh, and to pay attention. So you know I don't know that might be kind of old school Tony but that's uh, for, for me that's one of the big things in leadership that I think will be you know important going forward even more so than it has in the past well actually I think it's uh, very um, re- relevant because the uh, previous conversation I've had um, we were talking about 
leading and leadership, and that regardless of what the situation is, there are certain things that leaders need to be able to do. And I think one of the things that leaders need to be able to do is build trust. Yep. And unless you have the trust of the people, you can't really get very far. I agree with you completely. I mean, 100%. I think building trust um, of employees is um, is really important. And, you know, people are smart. I mean, they can see through leaders who are fakes and mm. um, and they know those that are sincere. And yeah. so, you know, I, I, I think it's, uh, you know, regardless of where you are in the organization, you need to make sure that uh, that people feel valued. And, yeah. um, and, and I think that's what's most critical. John, John Marabito, thank you very much for your time today. Great talking to you. Thanks for your perspective. Of course. You're welcome, Tony. Thanks for asking me.